Good afternoon. This is David Green with the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County, welcoming you to the January 2022 edition of Spotlight on Arts and Culture, our monthly live interview show, the second Monday of each month on WPKN 89.5 FM, bringing you news and information about the arts and culture across coastal Fairfield County. As you may know, the Cultural Alliance is one of a group of eight regional bodies across the state that work as agents for, or intermediaries between, the Connecticut Office of the Arts, the governmental body that funds and serves the arts for the whole state, and the individual towns that we work with. Our region covers the 15 towns of coastal Fairfield County, from Greenwich to Shelton. And as we are to the Office of the Arts... So the arts councils or commissions in the towns are to us. While we at the Cultural Alliance do our best to connect the arts and cultural events, artists and organisations across these 15 towns, the arts councils act as the conveners, orchestrators and sometimes funders of the arts in their particular town. If they work well, then they serve as our best contact, funnel and filter for the arts and cultural activity in their towns. Today, at the beginning of the year, I thought it would be a good idea to look at a few of these arts bodies in some detail. What are they? What do they do? And how do they serve the arts and the public in their towns? I'm pleased to welcome three representatives of three such bodies, each a bit different from the others, one Arts Council, one Arts Commission, and one Arts Advisory Committee. So, let me welcome, working geographically from the southwest on up, first, Tatiana Mori, Executive Director of the Greenwich Arts Council. Welcome, Tatiana. Uh, hi, David. Thank you for having me here today. Next, Lou Urson, member of the Stamford Arts and Culture Commission. Welcome, Lou. Good afternoon, David. And Nancy Diamond, Chair of the Westport Arts Advisory Committee. Welcome, Nancy. Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me. So, three Slightly different beasts today. First, and quickly, let's start with basics. And let me ask each one of you about where your organization and organization type fits in. Let's start with you, Tatiana. You run the Greenwich Arts Council. So what is an arts council and how is it organized? So the Greenwich Arts Council, we're obviously we're a non-profit arts organization in the town of Greenwich. We serve as the umbrella arts organizations for the town of Greenwich. We um, actually gracefully re, uh, have a space in downtown Greenwich where we provide affordable space to artists to rent, to musicians, dancers, and to practice. We have a dance studio, an um, art studio, a gallery space. Wow. So artists can express creativity and um, you know, our <coughs> mission is to provide that space at a very affordable so you're really very much identified with a particular building. Yes, we are. Yeah, yeah we're right on the heart of Greenwich in the downtown area. Oh, so next, Lou, you're a member and former chair of the Stamford Arts and Culture Commission. Uh, so what's an arts commission and how is it different from an arts council? We're, we're newbies, really. Uh, we were founded in late 2017, so we're still learning and growing um, I was the founding chair. I did my, my term of uh, three years and have passed the, uh, the leadership baton, uh, but I'm still on the commission. Uh, we're, in, we're an actual government entity, uh, so we, we have no funding of our own. 
but we do have a pool of about $100,000 that we grant to arts organizations in the community. And that's from, from the, the city. town, yep, from the city, from the city yeah. of Stanford. This year, uh-huh. we uh, we had had 100000 for the last several years, and uh, our former mayor, uh, David Martin, was able to bump it a little bit. So we had $108,000 uh, mm-hmm. this year to play with. So we're, we're not, we're, again, we're still learning. Right. But you are a part of city government. Yes, I'm a sworn commissioner of the city of Stanford. Okay. All right. <laughs> And Nancy, you're chair of the Arts Advisory Committee of the Town of Westport. Where, where do you fit into this? Well, we are not a commission or a council. We are an advisory committee to the selectmen, select woman in this case. Mm-hmm. And we are all appointed by the select, the select woman and have a very small budget to advocate for the arts. We, we, we try to advise the selectmen on policies that will work in favor of the arts community. Okay. Well, that gives us a pretty wide spectrum here. Back, back to you, Tatiana, for some background on, on the Arts Council. Uh, how did it get started? When did it uh, get um, going? So the Greenwich Arts Council was it started in 1973. Uh-huh. And so wow. it's been at the beginning of, of the time, they actually had a very small space um, on the Greenwich Library. And from then on, the town of Greenwich sort of acknowledged the need for such a space because the art community was growing and growing. So they decided to give the space where we're currently at, which was the old town hall building in downtown Greenwich. So the Greenwich Arts Council privately raised funds to be able to refurbish the second and the third floor of the building and add a proper art studio and a dance studio and a gallery space. So all in all, um, it serves the community by artists be able to take classes and dancers be able to rent the space at affordable, um, give recitals. We have a partnership nowadays with Steinway where we have a brand new piano that gets used for um, musicians to come and rent the space and practice or develop music and so on and so forth. So that's... So in many ways, you're an art center. We are, yeah. Yeah. We're an an art center as well. Um, So... um, What's the balance between serving artists, organizations, and the public, would you say? The balance. Yeah. Um, I think it's very much, since we do not receive funding directly from the town of right. Greenwich or the, the space itself, yeah. we very much rely on community support to be able to afford and stay in our space. So... Mm-hmm. With every year, it's every challenge. I've been there for a long time, and I've seen a community every year being more and more present so artists can still have that space. During the pandemic, it was very difficult for us because we didn't know where we will stand. There were The balance was shifting to right. people trying to go on in their daily lives, but we did see that void from artists needing a space. So it was a struggle for us, and we really clearly saw the balance that we can only exist if the community rides alongside with us. So you're in some ways just like any other nonprofit mm. that you're really reliant on funding, a variety of Correct. different funding yeah. sources. Mm-hmm. But you do have a relationship with, with government. We do, um, we do, we do have. We were very, the town is very supportive of the council, the art center. Mm-hmm. So without, I mean, just the space on its own, without them, we couldn't have the space that we have. 
Right. So it is as a, a great asset for the council to be able to right. have that. And, um, that. and tell us a little bit about yourself and your own involvement with the Arts Council. You said you've been there for a long <laughs> time, a but long you've time. just been executive director <laughs> yes. for so a short I was, time. I joined the Arts Council, 20, it's going to be 21 years ago. Oh my gosh. Right yeah. out of college. <laughs> and uh, I started that it was a great place to be at. I they didn't really have a job description when I started at the council. So it was kind of going your own and trying to figure out ways of, of kind of growing this organization alongside the director at the time, which was Rank Giuliano. I had great mentors along the way. And three years, it's going to be three years ago. Three years ago, I was, <laughs> um, I was named the director. And, um, and right the pandemic hit and I thought, well, <laughs> if anyone has the roadmap to come back, I kind of knew. Right. Our way back, and, well, you, and it's you, it, it's been challenging because since I took over, basically we were closed for half of the time. But um, the community has been very supportive. All the people that I've known, longtime friends, Nancy, I've known Nancy forever, <laughs> and right. so we all kind of rely on each other heavily for advice, for uh, be able to have support, moral support, sometimes wisdom. You know, you you hear it from everybody, and and that's how we run it. We don't really. It's hard to say that we have a plan or a structure or, you know, everybody says, oh, what's the method? How you do it? It's hard to do it right now because no matter how much you want to plan, you want right. to have a structure, right. things do come your way. So it's best to take it one day at a time. I'm learning <laughs> to breathe a little deeper. I shut off my phone sometimes when it tells me to get up and stand up or breathe. And it's just really, that's, I think the, that's the best way to do it, to find that balance on ourselves as well, to be able to come afloat, I guess, and, and keep going. Right. Oh. So, Lou, is it right that the Stanford Arts and Culture Commission isn't the first such body in Stanford? I mean, you've been very active in the Stanford arts scene for, what, at least 20 years or so, running Curtain Call Theatre, producing, acting, writing, directing, <laughs> and more, I'm sure. <laughs> Can you tell us from your time in town what came before this current commission and then how and why this one was created? The uh, there was an arts commission in Stanford many years ago, um, and unfortunately, I was not involved because at, when it was in existence, I was basically on the road performing ah, and li uh -huh. living as an actor. Yeah. So it's only been you know, the last the twenty one years that I've been a curtain call that I'm more focused on what's happening in the arts in Stanford. Um, so the entire time that I've been involved, we didn't have an arts commission. Uh, we did have briefly a Stanford Cultural. Oh my goodness! Was it a council of some kind? <sighs> my my brain just went up on it. It yeah. was a, no. It was. Uh, I'll I'll come back to it. But we the we did have yeah. a funded uh, organization that uh, Mayor uh, when Dan Malloy was our mayor we created, and uh, we had uh, Juliana Ciolo was executive director, oh, and they right. they were focused on coordinating projects that would help. Uh, provide growth opportunities for organizations. Uh, I, when I first started Curtain Call, I went to a workshop that the organization sponsored. Mm -hmm. uh, and they had, um, again, uh, the mayor at the time created this funding program called uh, Creative Arts Partnership Program. Oh, yes, the CAP, so CAP program. program. I remember that. Yeah. And so that has, that has stayed intact all these years. It, we have, huh. At one point, there was about $150,000 in wow. funding. Yeah. Um, it was reduced to about 50 at some point when funding was really tough in the city, but we've been at 100,000 100, the last several years, mm -hmm. and that's now through the Arts and Culture Commission. We are now the body that's reviewing the applications and supporting it um, as well. So I know there have been uh, many different iterations over the years, but there had not been an actual Arts Commission for almost 20 years. Wow. 
And wow. we came about because so many of us have worked together. You know, we've collaborated. Marty Etter at the Ballet School of Stanford and I talk all the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I talk to the folks at the Young Artist Philharmonic and the uh, different groups. We were getting together and meeting, talking about different things that were affecting us anyway. And uh, Randy Skeegan, who was the president of our board of reps at the time, was very supportive of the arts and learned of us meeting that much and decided, well, you know, if you guys are doing this, uh-huh. maybe we should have a more formalized uh, organization. And he put forth the legislation to create the Arts and Culture Commission. So right. that became law in, in uh, late summer of uh, 2017. So since that point, our focus has been really to be a service organization because we don't have any funding of our own to create programming. Right. Uh, and you can't raise we're, yeah, can we're you still, raise money you know, because you're st- a commission? Right. We're still in the learning curve of what <laughs> legally can be done and uh-huh. what, you know, what we can't do. So you know, we can apply for state grants, which we did. Uh, we just completed our, our first long-term strategic plan, through which we did all virtually, unfortunately. Yeah. The process had just begun. Uh, so that, that kind of funding we were able to, to seek. So how many commissioners are there and how are they chosen? You obviously, because you've been so active in the Stanford art scene, and is that true of the other commissioners? They it's were? a real mix. We, mm. um, when the commission was put together, it's nine members. Uh-huh. Um, and by law in, in the city, it has to maintain political party balance. In one party, your affiliation can't, one party can't be overruling the other or oversizing. Right. <laughs> um, yes. So they were, they're, um, we're a real mix. We have some people that are involved, very much involved in the arts, like Lynn Colatrella, who's our current chair, right? Yeah, um, and and Valerie mm-hmm. Valerie Cooper, who is an artist and et cetera, uh, with musicians. And we had uh, it's varied, but mm-hmm. the nine members, uh, several of us have been involved from the beginning. We've we've lost a few people have moved out of the area, uh, but it's it's a nine member board. We're currently at eight. Okay. Um, and so what are you currently doing? I know you're work, still working out your program. Yeah, we, we literally, What's, we just uh, awarded our grant. We just finished the, the selection process for this year's grant program. We had 20 applicants, and I think it was two requests for about $265,000 oh. was what came in. Mm-hmm. We had 108. Uh, every, every organization was funded. The smallest grant was 2000 and some of them were, were pretty sizable. Uh, so that, that, that focus is done. And so that's the core. Correct. Of what you do. And now are you It's supporting of, organizations yeah. and helping them, you know, we're really looking at grassroots organizations, smaller organizations that don't have either any staff at all or very small staff uh, and board members that are doing things to help them find other grant opportunities. Right. And, right. and that's really our focus right now is to, to service the, the arts community and to find them. We know that there's about 80 arts organizations in Stanford. <laughs> and we were sure that there's a lot more and there's a lot of individual artists. Right. So we, we've spent a lot of time the last year and a half, two years, just trying to reach out and we're still trying to find people. We know they're out there. Uh, so maybe they're listening to the radio or somebody who's listening today. So, yeah. uh, so it's really word. very much kind of what we're doing, which is building the infrastructure, really Absolutely. Connect, connecting people um, to each other and to resources and just building that. 100%. Sense of, uh, you know. Yeah, we, 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 we went out on a limb and really stretched the, you know, the last couple of years with um, having our application program for the grants translated into Spanish. Oh. To try to make it easier uh, for the community, and we're, we're looking yeah. at other opportunities that way too. 
So let's turn to Nancy. Now, the Westport Arts Advisory Committee then is neither a non-profit arts council nor a government commission, but something in between. Um, can Do you know much about its history, how it was created? Yes, I, well, I maybe do. Maybe you actually. were there. When I, it was. Not quite, but almost. <laughs> um, the Arts Advisory Committee was established in 1994. Okay. And it was established to help increase public awareness of the town's cultural resources. Um, there was particularly an interest in the Westport Ar- uh, Public Art Collection. That's right. There's a huge resource that you have. It is a tremendous resource, uh, more than 1,500 works of art. And uh, Bert Chernow, who founded the committee, was really um, it felt it was really important for artwork to be in the schools and for mm-hmm. kids to be around art all the time. So much of our public art collection is in the school buildings, also in the town buildings, um, and very little of it is in a place where the public can actually see it, especially now with all the mm. security regulations. No one can get into the schools, and you can barely get into Town Hall and the Center for Senior Activities where the other uh, most of the art is. So um, just a quick jump forward is that for the first time uh, since before the committee was established, um, we are having a public show of the Westport Public Art Collections at MoCA Westport uh, opening January 28th. So this oh. is really exciting. So that's after, what, 18, 19 years? After, well, actually the last record we have of the art being shown in the public was in the 60s, so a really long time ago. Anyway, that's a quick, that was a fast forward. Um, uh, So we're a 15-member group Mm -hmm. that's appointed for two-year terms by the selectmen, and our committee is a very diverse group of, of artists in every discipline, as well as uh, people like myself who are not artists but um, consider ourselves um, lost without the arts. <laughs> so it's a nice group, a really nice group of people, very committed. And um, we, look for, we, we look for initiatives that we can afford. We started a, a poet laureate in Westport. That's right. Our poet yeah. laureate is completing her, the, our first poet laureate is completing her term. We extended it for a year because yeah. of COVID. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, in the spring, we'll be launching our search for Poet Laureate number two. Um, and that's been a, a wonderful asset to the community. Our Poet Laureate, Diane Lohman, shows up at inaugurations and town um, ceremonies and either recites her own poetry or she finds poetry from other poets mm-hmm. that she reads. And she goes into, mm. she was going into the schools. Um, we also we, so we've had many initiatives that we have launched. Um, so the advisory. So you, you advise the first selectman, and your advice is usually taken. Or yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> uh, we have a lot of autonomy. You know, uh-huh. we can we can do pretty much whatever we want with our small budget. If it's something that we are concerned might be of concern. To the selectman, we certainly advise her, mm. and um, and usually in my time there it hasn't really been a problem. I mean, at the beginning of the pandemic, for instance, we uh, our poet laureate who writes haiku um, produced we produced thirty lawn signs with a photograph and a haiku, and we got permission from the first selectman because they don't like lawn signs to put them <laughs> in public areas. So as people were walking, there were these uplifting. Poems. It was just a very inexpensive, right. easy, but uplifting thing. So, yes, we went to the first election. We said we'd like to do this. And he said, great. Hmm. 
So, uh, Lou, you have uh, a comment? (laughs) (laughs) One of the things that you reminded me is uh, one of the projects that we've been uh, taking care of as the Arts Commission, Arts and Culture, is Stanford's Arts Collection as well. Um, That's which right. Is, which is yes. pretty large. Yeah. We ha- and the, one of the major projects we had uh, was the restoration of a WPA mural uh, that was a great undertaking and got that done. So we've, but curating the collection is, is part of our responsibility as well. That's right. That actually seems to be a common thread uh, across many arts councils. We did have a program a few months ago about um, how, on, on the subject, and how the arts councils can could work together a little more in terms of developing common policies and best sets of best practices. I think we started working on that collectively. Uh, COVID, again, has sort of got in the way in terms of um, organizing things. But I think that's something that uh, um, each arts council seems to have different kind of expertise in in public art. Uh, Greenwich actually has a quite a collection of Public sculpture, is yes, that right? Yes, we have 43 between public sculpture and monuments. And wow. um, one of the biggest tasks for us has been restoring some of them. And we've been trying to catalog and the archives, um, although we have the majority of it, nothing was digitized. So we unfortunately had some water damage a couple of uh, years ago. Yeah. And so when we shifted the archives from one location to another location, we realized that quite a few of the images, because they were slides, um, you know, contained some damage. So, yeah. so it is a lengthy process. And unfortunately, right now, it's basically a debate. What do we do with it? How do we approach the town to the town is very much involved, but not yet have had the time to set up a, a team of people to work with us right. to say, okay, this is what the next plan. So right now what we have done is we re-photograph everything just so we start basically a fresh, clean map mm-hmm. to see which sculpture has sustained significant damage, what could be repaired, what could be, you know, sometimes you have to contact the artist and yeah. the, the state. Yeah. And, and so that's, it's really a process that probably is going to take a few years before we can right. complete it. No, it's an exciting project, certainly, mm-hmm. to see how yeah. um, the arts councils can sort of assist each other in mm-hmm. terms of practices and policies. We're still putting together our public policy, um, and we have collected. Stanford has a wonderful mm-hmm. public uh, policy. New Haven, we have a few that we're working from because mm-hmm. you don't want to reinvent the wheel. Right, yeah. exactly. Exactly. We have digitized the collection, and that mm-hmm. took a long time. We also yeah. set up, uh, we, we, the Arts Advisory Committee did not, but the, um, the Volunteer Westpac Committee, the Public Arts Collection Committee, set up a Friends of Westpac as a separate 501c3 right. fundraising arm, and that has paid for a lot of the uh, restorations that have been awesome. required. And Nancy, um, other sort of regular program, you, I, I can see that you do have initiatives. Um, one, one that I've appreciated over my talks. few years here has been the, is it the tea talk? Tea talks, thinkers, educators, artists talk. And pre-pandemic, it had become a yearly event where we would pick a theme and bring in three um, experts or involved parties uh, to be interviewed by uh, an arts advisory member. Yeah. And uh, we, we hit upon a lot of topic, healing in the arts, of course, arts and education, uh, legislation, all kinds of things. Yeah. Um, we have an idea for actually we meet tomorrow and um, 
we had another wonderful initiative which took place in the fall, which is in a privately owned walkway from our main street into the center of what's known as Bedford Square. Oh, yes. There were some old floodgates on the side of the building, um, which now is anthropology, and that were actually active floodgates, but anthropology has put up a wall or done something inside. And the owner of the building asked us if we could put art on those panels. There were five of them. Oh, they invited you. They invited uh, they asked great. the town, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and they asked us, mm-hmm. uh, advise us yes. <laughs> on what could be put there. <laughs> right. So Westport has uh, had just completed a process of um, of um, amending its history to uh, include um, the diversity of the the, the peoples who live yes. in Westport. Yes, and we thought it'd be a wonderful opportunity to this is this word pictorialize. Mm. To turn into pictures, yeah, this history. So right. we did. We put out, uh, we curated uh, and chose five artists, um, all but one are Westport artists, also from diverse backgrounds, and they created five beautiful, really extraordinary awesome. paintings that we installed on the wall yeah. of the alleyway. Yeah. And it was a joint project between us and and um, uh, the developer. Um, uh, in that they provided all the installation costs, oh, and yeah. we, we provided the materials and, and the stipends for the artists. Sounds like a great model. And so, mm-hmm. going back to Tea Talk, um, the, the artwork is provocative, and it should be talked about. And we, we would like that to be. I would like that to be. Mm-hmm. If my people, if my co- our committee is out there, <laughs> hear me now. Um, I think it's time in the spring for us to have some talk around that artwork. Great, great. So. As difficult as planning is uh, these days, um, that's something for us to look forward to. If you're just joining us, this is David Green with the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County and our January 2022 edition of Spotlight on Arts and Culture, our monthly interview show on WPKN 89.5 FM. Today, our subject is Arts Councils Lead the Way. And our guests are Tatiana Mori, Executive Director of the Greenwich Arts Council, Lou Asson, Member of the Stamford Arts and Culture Commission, and Nancy Diamond, Chair of the Westport Arts Advisory Committee. So we've mentioned it um, on and off, but I'd like now to turn to the impact of COVID. Mm-hmm. The last two years, of course, has been very tough for all arts and culture organizations trying to keep income, audiences and staff one way or another. Can you tell us about the particular challenges you faced as an arts council commission working with this wide array of arts and culture organizations and artists that you work with and represent? Anyone? I'll start. I think for us, it was easy. Luckily, we didn't lose any staff because we didn't have any. (laughs) That's not really fair. Um, John Veramo, who works in the uh, Department of Economic Development for the city of Stanford, is our program manager, and he's our our point person in the city as a city employee. So John is terrific. Yeah. Uh, But we did. John is still with us. Uh, the hard thing for us was that we had literally just launched our strategic planning process. Yeah. So instead of a group of us sitting around the table and being there and yeah. really working through this process, it was all through Zoom. Mm. And yeah. we had a great experience. It was a year-long process. We wrapped it up this summer. And the activities that we decided we were going to do were, be, were na- basically neighborhood convenings. Mm. 
and meeting around the city and bringing groups of Excellent. people together. Excellent. So yeah. we could find out really yeah. what they need from us. Right. But yeah. again, those have had to be virtual. So it's it's less than ideal for this kind of project. Uh, so right. it's been a, it's been a challenge for us, and we had hoped that things would have been better in the fall that we could have done it again. In finally gotten some in person meetings together. We're still not there. So that's that's really been our challenge as an organization is that we we're just not together. And there's the dynamic of people being in the room is vastly different than people being in a Zoom. I think we've all um, found that that um, Zoom is. Um, I mean, I mean, it's it's what is it? it? It's something that you can use to sort of get, it's a get great the tool. most urgent things yeah. done. Yeah. But in terms of actually brainstorming and thinking things through and tossing ideas around, it's not the same. It's, it's somehow it's like there are so too few channels that yeah. work on Zoom for it to to really work. So I appreciate we, we've we've also been putting off uh, sort of convening meetings in a, in the same way. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah, that's a real problem. We Nancy? tried we tried early in the pandemic. Um, to take a leadership role within the community to encourage outdoor activity for the summer of 2020. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we failed miserably because huh. people were really scared and mm-hmm. they just didn't think right. that um, it would work. And we had convened a, a, a planning committee and one by one everyone just said, I don't think we can do this. So we did. So but kudos to you for trying and for, uh, for <laughs> putting forward the idea and the planning, but just it right, didn't mesh with the, the reality right. at yeah, the, out there. Ready. Yeah, I'm always ready for performing <laughs> arts anyway. So, but <laughs> I was in a minority. For us, was actually a little bit different because we, um, when we were told that we had to close, it was March fifth, twenty twenty. And of course, so now you have a building with people Correct. coming in. We have so a building and we had to close. And they told us it might be a couple months, it might be three months, you know, just be prepared. So we knew that a month into it, literally it was 30 days into it, that we had to basically let everyone go because we just had to look at the bottom line, how to basically, it was just not a matter of one person surviving. Right. We needed the entire right. organization yeah. to survive. Yeah. And the only way we knew is that if we cut the cost of basically maintaining our organization yeah. to mm-hmm. the minimum. So it became one employee and that employee became me. So mm. became everything from, you know, the banker to the treasurer to the board appointed person to drop off documents, the mail person. It was, you know, when you look back, all the things we had to do, we didn't really have to think. We just had no all the way of, of choosing, like, oh, I, I don't think today is the mail to pick up the mail or receive, <laughs> you know, you, you don't do that. But what happened along the way is that many people shifted to Zoom and it took us a while to, as an organization, to sort of start to come up with lectures online because in a way we had to look at the cost because how much would it cost yeah. to put a, yeah. a Zoom meet? Will people attend? Will people buy? You know, we couldn't ask members to renew what they were renewing to. They they didn't know. The uncertainty was so great that all we yeah. could do was, okay, if we minimize costs, we will be able to then later on come back and, you know, use those resources to. And that's really how it happened. Um, you know, we only were able to open August last year. And so since then, we've been able to rehire two people. And so we've been sort of active in the community. And the people don't forget that. I think the members and 
the artists and the musicians and the dancers and the tenants we had, they don't forget the how far you had to go to help them. Mm-hmm. So they all came together, believe it or not. So we were organ- an organization that was sort of the umbrella of other organizations, but now be- we became a community. And that's something that, in a way, I'm grateful that it happened. Yes. Because yeah. we all knew each other. Oh, so-and-so is from such an organization. <laughs> yeah. But we all had to do crazy things to be able right. to survive. So we became this very tight community. No, Now, all of a sudden, if we need something from one or another, we all just sort of give each other the spaces we need. We, we give each other's offices if we need to for more space. So that's something remarkable that did happen to right. us. And now, you know, our programs are still coming back slowly. We don't take it at harsh if we have to shift dates um, because we, in a way, we've kind of been prepared for it for over a year. Yes. <laughs> with, you know, oh, you got to move this to the spring. And so we tell artists, just be patient. But now we are renewing our membership. We are telling people we're, because we're becoming more active. And we do think this is another wave and it will pass. And you know, like anything, we'll just have to hang tight and, you know, keep being a community, you know, and keep positive because that's very hard to do, to remain positive. I have to say that's something that I've noticed with the Cultural Alliance as well, mm-hmm. that um, even though much was cancelled and the much that we yeah. couldn't do, we found that um, we had this series of weekly calls that had actually pulled people together and yeah. helped people learn from each other yes. um, and actually sort of help pull the community together mm. in a different kind of way. Any um, positives? Uh, um, that, I, th- that I think you- the same has happened uh, with Westport a little bit. Um, I think people are talking to each other a little more mm-hmm. and recognize the importance of collaborating, yeah. especially during the pandemic when everybody's resources were really thinned out. So, um, Do you think you'll be doing anything differently? Um, moving forward? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we'll be. We, we have convened several meetings uh, of the arts organizations to share information oh, uh-huh. um, over the years, but yeah. it hasn't been as consistent as we would yeah. like. I think yeah. it'll be more consistent mm. now. Yeah. Okay, I wanted now to turn to a funding and advocacy issue. We know that all um, municipalities are receiving significant funding from the government's American Rescue Plan Act. The Um, ARPA. All municipalities in Connecticut receive money directly from the government, as I understand it, and in addition, funds that would normally go to county government, which of course we don't have. From figures supplied by Connecticut Main Streets, these funds range from $2.2 million for the town of Easton to $113 million to the city of Bridgeport. I believe Greenwich is receiving close to $39 million Dollars, Stamford close to fifty million, and Westport some eight million dollars. So nationally, Americans for the Arts ran a campaign to ask all municipalities to allocate something of a symbolic one percent for arts and culture. Here in Connecticut, the Connecticut Arts Alliance orchestrated a statewide campaign to try to persuade municipalities to consider this proposal, and we at the Cultural Alliance did our part by contacting each mayor and selectman together with all other key municipal officers uh, with specific suggestions as to how that might be organized. It's proven, of course, to be a very, very complicated affair, and I know each town is quite different, but I wondered if any of you could report on either your involvement with this campaign or what you've heard about uh, how this is working out in your town. Um, 
Well, I can start here because we've had some really nice success so far. Um, That's terrific. This. Yeah. Um, David, as he just mentioned, uh, sent out notes to all the selectmen, and our first selectman um, at the time, Jim Marpy, felt very strongly that the art should be part of this distribution. So he recommended um, a $250,000 number, which uh, was almost 3% of the $8.4 million that Westport nice. uh, was being given. And he came to me, and this is the first time this has happened, where the <laughs> selectman has actually come to the committee instead yes. of the committee coming uh-huh. to the selectman, huh. and said, I would like your committee's advice on how we should allocate this $250,000. So this was a perfect example of what the Arts Advisory Committee should yeah. be doing. Uh-huh. Uh, long uh, fast forward, we decided that the money should be allocated among all the 501c3 arts organizations in town. There are 16 in Westport, um, ranging from, I love to say, the Westport Community Band that has virtually a zero budget <laughs> to the Playhouse is yeah. probably the largest yeah. one. And um, despite budgets, every one of these organizations file a 990. There's a board of directors, there's a structure, mm. there's a yeah. plan, and we felt it was only fair um, to distribute the money to everyone mm-hmm. and not to distribute it according to their budgets, not give the smallest budget to the smallest organization, mm-hmm. but to encourage creativity and um, offer, um, uh, ask for applications for grants between $2,000 and $20,000 an organization and see what they come up with. So for reasons I still don't understand, only 12 of the 16 huh. actually submitted hmm. applications, hmm. Um, but they did. And the projects were quite creative, uh, some more creative than others. Hmm. Um, we established a subcommittee within Arts Advisory made up of the five members of our committee who are not affiliated with any of the organizations that applied. Uh-huh. So yeah. it was mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, purely No objective. conflict of interest, right. And the, that subcommittee decided that they didn't want to um, nitpick over the actual application and the projects that people were asking for. They assumed the professional nature of the organizations mm. and that they, as long as they fit within the ARPA guidelines, mm. they passed through the applications as is. So we appeared before the Board of Finance last week. There's the rub always, right? It's the, <laughs> not just the selectmen, it's the and we finance tried, board. We tried to explain this to the organizations, but some of the smaller organizations didn't fully understand the process, hmm. that it's not enough to, to the, for the selectmen to want it. Yeah. So we actually only put in, because not everyone applied, we put in a request for $200,643. And <laughs> um, after much discussion and lobbying, the Board of Finance unanimously passed our request. Oh, nice. However, however, <laughs> the next step is the RTM. Uh-huh. So, right. so now we have to get approval. And there were questions. Uh, and unfortunately, there were questions that were made public about some of the projects, about the process, you know, that everybody mm. um, uh, contributed to the dialogue. And um, we now have one more step. But I'm, I'm very optimistic. And so um, if this goes through... Um, Westport, I think, David, correct me if I'm wrong, will be the first town in Fairfield County to allocate money to all arts organizations within the, the town. Yes, um, wonderful. And it's very exciting because Westport likes to think of itself as being on the forefront yeah. of the arts, and yeah. this would be a way yeah. to, to uh, confirm that reputation. 
Yes, I know that Bridgeport had a process in which um, they did a survey. Right? They did a, a survey and asked for applications. So um, it was, seemed a fair process, but certainly didn't cover all organizations in. I, I, in town. That's what we're the proudest of. In, in fact, um, I know it's a little premature because we don't have approval yet from the RTM. But I mentioned the community band. The community band put in a request to commission a piece of music to commemorate the the pandemic. And you know, one of the requests <laughs> from the board of the board of finance was, and and this like one was that this be this whole, these projects be healing. You know that they, mm-hmm. um, yeah, they're projects mostly for children, seniors, and families who are most of you know just most mm-hmm. affected with the mm-hmm. isolation of COVID, of the pandemic. Mm. So I personally love that the community band wants to commission a piece of music and play it at the outdoor concerts. I mean, mm. what else could a, what better thing could a community <clears throat> band do? So I, I'm very pleased with the creativity of the organizations, and I hope, I really hope that um, this passes next week. Next week? Uh, I'm the, sorry, February 1st. Oh, okay. It's kind of like next week. Feels like that. <laughs> feels like that. <laughs> any luck or any news in Stamford or Greenwich? I I wish I could report hmm. um, news, but I think David, you probably know more <clears throat> than uh-huh. I do on that yeah. front. Unfortunately, we are not being very successful at that, hmm. and um, but we are, you know, however, being very grateful from for the state of Connecticut coming forward uh, for the Arts Council. Right, so especially with the cultural fund that yes. um, um, uh, the has, humanities and yeah. uh, the endowment. So, from directly from the town of Greenwich, aside from our building, we do not receive hmm. any funding right. from them. So it's all privately raised right. from us. So, in uh, Stanford, it didn't work well for us. Um, yeah. Our current chair, Lynn Colatrella, and uh, John Veramo, our program manager, had worked with. Uh, former mayor uh, david martin yes. in putting putting the proposal together and uh, it was supported by the mayor and it uh, died at the board of finance level mm-hmm. where they decided funding they really need to make our schools a priority mm-hmm. yeah that's where it is it's, it's unfortunate it's such a political process mm-hmm. you know it's um and I, and I think it's important for all the municipalities and towns to understand that that it's not as simple as we want to do it you right. have to understand the political process. You have to lobby at every level, yeah. and it's it's very time consuming, and it won't work. It doesn't work without that, right? Unfortunately, right. Well, um, we'll tune in for. Was, did you say February the first? Yeah, February. Yes. <laughs> That's great. Um, so, um, as we've discussed, COVID has changed a lot of what we do and how we do it. Um, it's also made planning very difficult and prediction almost impossible. But uh, looking forward, uh, what's ahead for each of you? Um, do you have any plans, any new initiatives, any new territories that uh, you are venturing into or would like to venture into? What's, what's, a, what's sort of on your wish list or on your, on your planning plate? Well, this year, so the Greenwich Arts Council for the last 25 years, we've been doing an outdoor art festival called Art to the Oh, Avenue. that's right. Yeah, yes. So this is our 25th year. Uh, that's our 25th anniversary. We canceled it in 2020 because of COVID. We did a sort of scaled down version of it on 2021, which actually it helped us a great deal because we had to rethink how we 
did a lot of including the map. We never thought that just you can QR code the map, something that it just it was an enormity to take care of can that you, project. You, it somehow yeah. became digital. And can uh, you step back a bit and just oh, explain sure. what Art to the Avenue? So Art to the Avenue, it's a partnership between, it's a private partnership between the Granite Charts Council and the retailers on Greenwich Avenue and the adjacent stores. So you so have direct relationship with do, those retailers, yes. right? And so the stores basically become an art gallery for the month of May. Mm. And basically we host, um, you know, the hundred plus artists that participate on the event every year and sometime in the beginning of March. And the retailers that sign up to participate come to our gallery and choose the artists that they most think will uh-huh. work with their spring collection. And so that in the month of May, the artists are part of the windows um, in their stores for the entirety of the I know month. a number of other towns do similar things, but I think yes. the Greenwich one is probably the oldest and certainly yeah. the biggest. <laughs> a, big, a big one. <laughs> yeah. So this year, um, with COVID coming back again, sort mm. of coming on the picture, um, we are probably going to adjust certain things that we're doing, but nonetheless, we're you know it's our 25th anniversary oh. and everything seems to be more yeah. comfortable being outside. So we're shifting a lot of the things we do outside. So huh. the um, the opening night will probably have a stage outside with a tent and we'll have a band outside. Outside your outside. own building, mm-hmm, our yeah. own building, and so we're well. Hopefully, the town will be okay with that. And um, but. Why wouldn't it's a nice um, event? <laughs> yeah, so, can you tell so, um, <laughs> listeners who may not know? Yeah. Uh, we actually haven't talked about your building. Could you just tell us a little? So the building bit? is located on two ninety nine Greenwich Avenue, which is right in the middle of this very long stretch on the main street uh, on Greenwich uh, downtown Greenwich. So we and are it used the, to be the town the hall, the town hall, the yeah. old town hall. So building. it's very impressive. Very impressive. It's a very <laughs> massive building, very massive structure, and it has a beautiful front lawn that. We used to put um, sculpture, but now because of COVID, we've done a lot of events outside. Mm. So we have kind of weighed out to see what sculpture is going to go outside until, I guess, COVID takes sort of a second stage kind of a... So I guess COVID has, sorry to keep interrupting, but COVID has somehow made you aware of that uh, precious property that you have out front, which... (laughs) To a lot of people, we were getting requests from organizations that they were not even in the town of Greenwich, that they wanted to do an event. Uh Um, You know, we've done an outdoor moving in our front, outdoor moving in front of our lawn. We've done a theater play in front of our front lawn. We've done a lot of things in the past uh, 10 months to sort of kind of start to revive... To revive a little bit the arts that we were representing in our building. So moving forward, our hope is that the 25th anniversary will happen for Art to the Avenue, and we have a new concert series, a partnership with Steinway, and we huh. had a very successful opening in November. We sold out, and it was it was a packed. It was a house that you know, we had a, a beautiful concert, but. We don't know if it's we can do it again in February. So it was Steinway, all the way. Steinway has a store um, in Greenwich. Yes, is that Steinway, right? yeah. uh, Steinway and Sons has a, a store in Greenwich Avenue, and they they graciously were able to put uh, one of their pianos in our recital hall, and so some of their musicians that they have on their roster can come and practice and play and give recitals oh, to our community yeah. and our members. Yeah. So the most of our members are incredible, incredible in that, yeah. that room. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a beautiful room, It's too. a beautiful yeah. mahogany panel room, and so the acoustics are really good. And so we have little ones from three-year-olds all the way to <laughs> 50-year-olds that come and practice in the piano room, so they benefit a great deal from having a brand new piano. Hmm. So we do hope that this new concert series and venture 
uh, does take place in the spring and continues to, to go on. I think farther than that, we haven't even started thinking about the fall just because we don't know what the summer will bring yet. Right. And so it's just taking it one month at a time, I think. And what about your, the organizations that use your building? Are they They're coming back? They're all sort of managing. It's mm. been difficult. Mostly the in-person, the classes for, um, we have foreign language, Alliance Francaise is there. So it's been difficult for them uh, having the students back. The art classes have resumed, the dance lessons have resumed, but this, the, the, the classrooms are smaller, significantly smaller. But we all are trying to sort of stay afloat and keep our, you know, the more you yeah. do it, you, the notion is that we're all staying afloat, so... One of the things that we were able to accomplish during the pandemic is we had a sculpture installed um, outside our library, a public sculpture oh, right. that yes. had been donated. Yeah. And we are looking to... Um, Can you tell us what, uh, something about it? What is it? Sure. Who, who is it's, it by? Um, oh, gosh. It's a big bronze. It's uh, called Rock, Paper, Scissors, uh-huh. which is exactly yes. what it is. <laughs> uh, we determined um, to put it outside the library because it was very family-friendly yes. and yes. just kept in, in keeping... Yeah. Um, I the name of the sculptor is is sorry to put is, you on the spot. But, I'm sorry, yeah. I, and uh, yeah. he's from Colorado, I think, and uh-huh. has a national reputation. Uh-huh. And it was a donation from um, uh, two of our residents, Anne Sheffer and Bill Scheffler. Um, so we are looking to increase the donations of our sculptures, and we're actually uh, again speaking of uh, government organizations. It just takes a while to get approvals for citing sculptures in Westport. We've been working with the town mm-hmm. bodies to, to simplify that process a little bit, so it'll be um, a little bit easier to uh, put sculptures out in, on the public mm-hmm. land. So we're working on that. That's a big... Uh, um, uh, it's a big project. Yeah, it is a big project for us. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we're looking to do a tea talk around the art in the walkway, mm-hmm. um, and we're having an opening of our town art collection on January 28th, oh, right. which is very, yeah. very exciting for us. I think we're showing more than 60 pieces of art by not just Westport artists, but um, part of our uh, collection, Kamachi. And And that's at MoCo Westport. And that is at MoCo Westport, and the opening is on Friday, January 28th. That's great. Uh, We also um, had an initiative um, to increase the diversity of the collection, um, and we acquired uh, five or six new pieces of art, which will be part of the show. So we're very excited oh, about that. Can you that. talk about those? Just uh, Well, since we're sitting here in Bridgeport, uh, Adric Cowens, who is oh, uh, terrific. a photographer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, With his own show about to open at the Fairfield University yes, Art Museum. We got him first, and we had a <laughs> beautiful uh, photograph of his um, that will be in our show. Um, there is also a photograph by a Westport photographer, Jerry Graham, which uh, took was a shot taken of some girls dancing during the pandemic. Mm. So everybody's in masks. We felt it was really important to um, memorialize this pandemic uh, through our art. Um, <laughs> there's a stamp for, you know, and so it's, it's a really, um, there's a, a, um, a wonderful painting by an artist, Charles Joyner, who's in North Carolina, but apparently he spent his, he graduated from Staples High School. Okay. So he has a nice connection to Westport. He too is going to have a separate show at the, at the library later oh. on. Great. So the well, um, and well, then a lot of uh, artists that are um, st- still working and Chernow, Len- Leonard Fisher, you know, our resident. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, That's great. Um, and um, Lou, 
uh, you're hoping to have some convenings yeah um, the the, uh, the one exciting thing is this wednesday uh, unfortunately now again by zoom uh is scheduled to do our the presentation of our capital awards oh, right. that yes. the arts yeah, and yeah. culture commission awards that's that's wednesday uh, we have our our next commission meeting the following wednesday the 19th our first of the new year so that's kind of our you know, getting our planning but the convenings are uh, definitely right. something we need to get. And it sounds like you've got a new mayor who's sympathetic to yes. yeah. the arts, um, Caroline. I, I have not Simmons. yet met yeah. with her. Um, we actually have a meeting scheduled uh, as the commission with her, um, but she's also going to be uh, go, going out on maternity leave very soon as well. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I didn't hear that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not sure what kind of maternity yeah. leave really means when you're the mayor, and probably hmm. you never really leave, uh, I'm, I'm guessing. Well, thank you all very much for being here today. Our time is up. Thanks so much for your frankness and openness and celebration of the arts. Um, I hope especially the residents of Greenwich, Stamford and Westport out there will look you all up on your websites and social media and uh, get more involved, especially um, in Stamford that Stamford's looking out to connect to more artists and arts organizations. Um, I'd say that in addition to Greenwich, Stamford and Westport, we do currently have active arts councils or commissions also in Easton, Norwalk, Stratford, Weston and Wilton. I know there are efforts, we've been involved in them, to create a new arts council in Fairfield and we look forward to similar moves in other towns. We hope we'll soon see interest in creating active actual arts councils or commissions in Bridgeport, Darien, Monroe, New Canaan, Shelton and Trumbull. We at the Cultural Alliance are keen to work with any groups to help organize such bodies as they would help us do our job better. Thank you all again for being here today. Thank you. Thank you, David. Thanks for having us. This is David Green with the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County. You have been listening to our January 2022 edition of Spotlight on Arts and Culture, our monthly interview show on WPKN 89.5 FM. Today our subject was Arts Council's Lead the Way, and our guests were Tatiana Mori, Executive Director of the Greenwich Arts Council, Lou Ersone, Member of the Stamford Arts and Culture Commission, and Nancy Diamond, Chair of the Westport Arts Advisory Committee. If you missed part of the broadcast or just want to hear it again, you can hear the show on WPKN Podcasts on SoundCloud. I'm David Green with the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County. Please tune in Monday, February the 14th for the next edition of Spotlight on Arts and Culture.